Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to a new podcast, The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Paddock and the Pavilion. The show can be downloaded on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify and Stitcher. Please feel free to give us a rating and a review to let us know what you think of the show so far. The Paddock and the Pavilion has now reached 33 countries and a special mention to our growing band of overseas listeners in the United States, Australia and the Caribbean. Let us know what you think of the show by contacting us on Twitter or Facebook on at the pad and pav. We'd love to hear from you. With World Mental Health Day on Saturday the 10th of October and with the current pandemic expected to unleash a tsunami of mental health issues, I caught up with Simon Bailey, the National Chaplain for Horse Racing UK. I hope you enjoy the show. Well, today it's a pleasure to welcome Simon Bailey, the National Chaplain to Horse Racing UK. Welcome to the Paddock and the Pavilion, Simon. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me on. In today's podcast, we're going to chat about your role, the challenges and your love of sport yourself. To start with, can you give us a bit of background about yourself? Yes, I was born in Stoke-on-Trent, which isn't a hotbed of horse racing, as you probably know. But um, I grew up in a sporting household. My dad played cricket. Um, my brother played cricket, so uh, my uncles, my grandfathers, I'd kind of been born and brought up, you know, around that and the North Staffs and South Cheshire Leagues. And um, it was just assumed that I would go on and, you know, and have a game for the club side as well. So that's what, what I did. But we we really were a sporting household and we just love, love all sports. So it's very much a sporting family, especially with your brother. Uh, but you weren't yeah. quite as good as him at... Uh... No, not quite. Rob Rob always wanted to to play, I think, to the ice that his ability would take him. And um, I think he signed for North Ants in 1990, I believe. And this is hey, this for, for listeners. This is Rob Bailey, who played cricket for England and is now a, a first-class umpire. So, And I can see as we're recording here, Simon's got um, all his wisdoms at the back, which uh, I'm sure of his love of the game. And he, he told me earlier that... Uh, most of them are ones that feature his brother, so uh, he's keeping uh, keeping the family uh, support of the family up. Could you could you sort of explain what your role is um, and, and what's involved? Yeah, so I, I became the national chaplain to the horse racing industry in 2014, and Sports Chaplaincy UK is linked with racing welfare since about the year 2000, and it really is to um, to look after those that work in the industry, um, those that work on yard studs around the race courses. We all know that life kind of throws us things, um, you know, at times. And there was always a feeling that staff would need to talk to somebody at some point in, you know, in their lives. And um, so 2000, the horse racing chaplaincy was born and um, I came in, as I say, in 2014. And this doesn't cover jockeys, does it? Jockeys are for the 
PJA, the Professional Jockeys yeah, Association? We, we do tend to cross over a little bit. So um, I visit the British Racing School. I try to go there one, once a week over these past few months. Obviously, it's been a little bit harder to get round. And so we, I would probably see the younger up-and-coming guys that are just starting out. Um, I, I would see them there, and that would probably integrate into their early years as well. So um, as soon as they go out on a yard, we would probably cross paths. I can think over the last year or so that there's maybe one or two who've had issues um, that obviously we won't go into, but it, it's been nice that they've asked my my help on you know occasions. And what area do you cover? So with horse racing being a UK sport, um, I would probably say that it would be any of the areas that have a a stud farm, you know, a yard. So that would be from from the southwest to the northeast. Right, so it's the, the whole country then, yeah. Whole country, yeah. I do have some help now. I, when when I came in 2014, there was just me on my own, and you can't do the UK on your own, as you know, Stephen. So um, we we have a chaplain in the northeast. I think Sedgefield is his closest course, but he helps with the staff that kind of live and work around there. And we have a retired vicar in the west country, and um, she's probably been on board the last two years. And she kind of helps with the yards around that area, you know, around the Gloucester area. So it's not just me. We've got some chaplains on specific race courses. York have had a chaplaincy team for quite a number of years now. The chaplain at Chester has been in place for about five years. She's doing extremely well. So odd ones around the race courses. But it's just nice to, you know, to have some help, you know, around the um, UK. And what, what's your typical day like? What do you do on a daily basis? Typical day could start early mornings watching the horses train. Um, it's just nice to have a chat with the staff, you know, as they cross the main roads in Newmarket. Just have a chat, see how they're doing. We pick up a little bit of work like that. Maybe sometimes um, just in that chat, they just get a quick chance to say, is there any chance I could have a word with you later on maybe? Or, you know, I'm off next week. Is there any chance we, we, we can meet up? So that would probably start there. Trainers are always good to have a chat with, you know, as they pull up to watch watch their strings. And from there, probably, as I say, if I could, I would try to go to the British Racing School. That 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 would be another port of call in my day. And then towards lunchtime in the afternoons, I try and leave time in you know in the day to to see staff that maybe need to be seen one one on one. And you said you you at Newmarket, so presumably you uh, on occasions go to Lambourne and places like that and do the same sort of thing. Yeah, so same kind of thing. Probably over COVID, not got much chance to go out and about. But um, I think just in the Newmarket job, it's kind kind of a job in itself. So we're you know it's a big uh, town, a lot of horses, a lot of staff, and the workload hasn't stopped, which has been good. Yeah, I was going to say, how has it been affected by COVID? Presumably your travelling's been affected. Yeah, I haven't had much chance to get around the other um, towns. But I would say around COVID, I was quite hopeful at first. I thought because although race days had stopped from a race course point of view, the training um, was in place still. So um, we'd still got the staff at work, staff being paid, 
And I thought we'd be okay. I thought we, we might come through it unscathed, if I'm honest with you. But um, I think we've seen the signs over these last few weeks that maybe we're not going to get through it as unscathed as we, you know, at first thought we were. So it's obviously stopped you doing sort of things like house visits. It did for a while. We just started to do phone calls um, probably the end of March, early April. And then it was sparked off by one call I had. And it was a retired member of the racing industry that said, I quite enjoy your calls, but it isn't quite the same. I'd quite like it if you came round. And so we put into place that anybody with a lawned area or maybe a front yard, a backyard, you know, two chairs, if they felt safe and they wanted me to go round, I soon kicked in back going, you know, around. And obviously we kept kept apart. Um, but I just felt if they were you know, happy for me to go around. I was happy to call in on them. And so probably end of April, you know, I did that and it's it's worked quite well. And what sort of problems and issues do you encounter when you're uh, speaking to members of the racing industry? All kinds of issues. I think every issue that anybody in any industry can face. So it could be relationship problems. It could be work issues. In horse racing, there's a big accident and injury, you know, thing going on. I think I read a stat once that you're 20% more likely to have a bad injury in the horse racing industry than you you would be on a uh, a con- construction yard, you know, for instance. So um, there's always somebody to go and see, somebody who's off work, you know, either long-term sick. And as you know, as well in the industry, we we have deaths as well. And, um, you know, and I get to look, look after that that side of life as well. Yeah, because you actually do the the funerals for people in the racing industry in in Newmarket. Yeah, it's the sad part of life, really, for that one day, you know, to do the service. Yeah, it's extremely sad, but in another way, it kind of opens out the town. It opens up. I think what I'm here for is to offer that care, and that's not just care for the one day. It's, um, you know, it's ongoing care, and it's... It's nice to be part of. So so even in the sad times, it's always nice to be part of, you know, not just that day, as I say, but the ongoing care of maybe loved ones that have been left be- behind. And you're also connected to Racing Welfare, that's correct? It is. So when Sports Chaplaincy UK teamed up really with Racing Welfare in two, 2000, and I think somebody saw that it might work that where the racing welfare team would look after all staff, stud staff, yard staff, but would deal with their kind of, you know, issues at work, maybe occupational health issues. If they were any financial issues, they would kind of deal with that side of life. But, but down to the injuries and illness that, you know, I've just shared, they felt they needed somebody to come alongside them, you know, and to help with those kind of things. So, you know, as I say, we're 20 years in now and it's um, I think it's a partnership that we both enjoy. Yeah. For listeners, uh, Racing Welfare are a registered charity and they they provide support for the workforce of the British horse racing from recruitment to retirement. And the the relationship with you and them works well. It does. It's been a good one. Um, We've worked together, me personally, for six, six years. I think we've gone from strength to strength. I think the name's out there more now. I think as the years go on, the more staff you help. And I think 
the the good job that we do and the good job that they do, I think has stood them in good good stead. And I think, um, you know, as I say, I think certainly in my six years, it's been a, um, a fruit, fruitful time, I think I would say. And chaplaincy, chaplaincy service is, is growing in sport. I read somewhere there's over 300 sport chaplains in the UK. Yeah, there might be a little bit more than that. I think we now boast about 650, oh, wow. um, and that's and that's just in in sports chaplaincy UK. And it's in all sports. It's in all sports, whether pro sport or grassroots clubs, football, rugby, cricket, horse racing. Obviously, we have gym chaplains, and we're really anywhere that maybe somebody is going to want to talk to somebody maybe doesn't want to tell their boss anything doesn't want to tell the trainer anything doesn't want to tell the coach anything for maybe fear of being dropped or being viewed in a different light so i think our job is to offer that kind of you know ear to to be told things um that won't get back to the boss or the trainer or the coach and i think that's that's where we come come into our own so you must have to be a very good listener in your job that's the first and and I think the most important thing is, you know, you listen first and, and you probably talk, you know, as as little as you can. I think that's that's the key. Yeah, I think that's and, the and key. The, what would be the main qualities to do your job? I think an empathy is always good. Um, you don't have to understand, you know, everything that everybody's going through. You don't have to agree with everything that, that they're going through, but... Uh, they know that you want to help them in some way shape or form I think that that is the key thing and and that help could come from me and that could be just a one-on-one thing and I I think I've I've got the skills to help them or it could be after we've met for a time or two with with the individual that I understand that it isn't me who has the skills to help them and it's it's kind of my job then to pass them on perhaps to other organisations that can, can can help more. And do you have connections with other sports in the chaplaincy? Yeah, sort of so um, yeah. we have a Sports Chaplaincy UK conference every year. One's coming up in October this year. It'll be online, unfortunately. But normally we get to meet and um, we get to have a chat and we just get to band about a few ideas. You know, it's always nice to hear what other folk are doing isn't it and um and so we do that and it's always good to stay in touch because we're all part of a team if we see each other every now and again or if we don't see each other at all it's nice to know you're part of a team and it's uh, you know it always helps if we can share those things and um be be there for each other i think's you know important this program is going out with world mental health day coming up on the 10th of october why do you think uh, sports like cricket and um, horse racing suffer with mental health issues i don't think it's any one thing Stephen. i think it's huge and i think i think the two sports that we're talking about it may be similar in a lot of ways but different also in a lot of ways i think with horse racing it really is an all-year-round sport there's no close season there's no off season no time to go away for a month or two to you know, to recoup once the flat season's done, you're into the all-weather season and uh, there's jumps uh, racing all year round as well. So I think that takes its toll. And I think 
we've seen jockeys that have to drive from one course to the next some some sometimes two two in a day and um i think it's hard work and i think on top of that you've got the weight issues you know they've all got to keep keep a certain weight and and that weight is always in between eight stone and maybe eight stone four eight stone seven i don't know and i think that over a longer stretch stretch of time i think that can cause you know issues as well so i think we've really got to watch and i think horse racing started to take mental health seriously about three four years ago and it it does even more so now and, and we're always trying to push that we always try and push the importance of i think in the sport and it's an elite sport it's it's fine being fit from the neck down and being the right weight. But I think if your head's messed up and um, you don't think the way you would think, you know, as you should think or we think, that's when it's good for us to step step, step in and be that help and, and just let somebody have a chat to us, I think. I think it's all key that, um, you know, it's a fitness from, from, from the head down. I would say yeah. with cricket... Um, it's a difficult one also because we've we've had instances of mental health issues and suicide for a long long time and I would just say it's been part of a team it's been part you know of your mates it's it's been part of going home and away and and being in that same team for a good length of years and I think when that comes to an end clubs tend to just move you on and you don't feel as included and you feel left out. And I think a lot of cricketers have tended to go from being part of the hub, being part of the team, being in and around everything, you know, and the adrenaline's going. And I think once all that stops, it's hard to find that again in life. Mm. That's why they're very that's soon forgotten, I think, aren't they? Absolutely soon forgotten, yeah. Yeah. Going back to something you said uh, about horse racing, uh, with we've had some very tragic suicides of Liam Treadwell and James Banks uh, yeah. in, in 2020. What support measures does racing have in place to help jockeys and people to hope, help prevent that happening in the future? It's very difficult. Um, I would always say the first thing to to be able to give anybody help is for that individual to come and ask for help it's very hard to know what's going on in somebody's head and you'll only ever really spot that if you see that individual on a day-to-day basis if you don't see them you know it's hard hard to spot so I would say in this podcast and to anybody who ever listens to me if if there's anything going on and you feel you can't share it with somebody, you really must share it. You really must tell somebody that you're not okay. And I think we had a strap line for horse racing in the mental health, you know, industry um, last year. It's okay not to be okay. And um, I think sport has always held a line of you've got to front things up, you've got to man up if you like. And these are terms that we don't really want to use anymore because um you know it's hard to front things up when there's maybe things going on in your life that you you've just got to share with with someone you can trust and um and so that would always be the advice is is for somebody to ask for help if you need that help and once they've done that that kind of opens the door to all kinds of opportunities that we can you know either help them ourselves 
or we could pass them on to organisations that can uh, give give that help. And I think it's key. I think it's a two-way street, this. I don't think we ever really see the signs in somebody else, but I think they need to ask. And um, I believe really with James and Liam, um, it would have maybe been tough to ask for that help or, you know, who who to go to for that help. But you think racing is doing as much as it can to help, yeah? It's doing all as it can to help, and I think it's doing far more than it's ever done. But we're just always in the hands of the individual. We're always in the hands of somebody making that that first call, you know, that kind of first cry, cry for help. Well, thank you for talking about that. It looks like horse racing is in good hands. So we can turn now to your own sporting background and just a few questions about your favourites in sport. Um, do you remember the the first test match you went to? I do remember the first test match I went to. Um, it, it was England versus the West Indies at the Oval. That would have been 1988, I think, 1988. That Would that have been the... It was the last test... And it was that test series that England played everybody that 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 was eligible to play for England. They they couldn't find a good side. I think they were two or three nil down in the test series. And I think Graham Gooch, I think it was his first test as a cap cap captain. My brother played. Rob Rob played. Um, oh, so the first test match you went to was to yeah, watch your brother. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely. must have had good seats anyway. So we did have good seats. And it was a good first day, first day and a half. I think we bowled, I think we bowled the West Indies out for something like 180 odd. And Neil Foster got five or six for not a lot, six for 40 something, I think. But unfortunately, it all, you know, as it does with, with England's test side over those years, it all kind of fell fell apart quite quite quickly. So that was the first live test match I saw. The 1981 Ashes series against the Australians was the first one that I saw on the TV, and and I think that just kind of fueled my you know love love of the game. Right, Turn, turning to, to horse racing as well, who would be your favourite jockey and why? I've got to go with some of the younger ones now, maybe, but I think before I maybe share them, going back to 81 because that's the. That's the time, that's the year that, as an eight-year-old, I remember all my first kind of sports. And and the Grand Nas- National was won by old you know, in, in in that year, as you well know, Stephen. And, you know, when Bob Bob was on board then, and there was that old story of, you know, old Anitti was a horse that perhaps, you know, had seen its best days. You know, it had an injury after injury, shouldn't really have got around the course. And Bob had had the illness as well. I think he'd had cancer two years earlier. So I think it was the whole thing around that that kind of struck me as a lad that, wow, you know, there's there's this race and it's the hardest one in the world to win. And that kind of caught my attention then. So so I couldn't answer your question without saying Bob, you know, as a, you know, a place in my heart, Bob, a champion. I love the interviews that these new guys do. Uh, for instance, O.C. Murphy, I think he he's absolutely great great now for the sport, and so probably he'd he'd be my pick. I just think these guys have got so much time for everybody, you know, in a sport that can bring you the stresses and strains of life. They're expected to win, 
they get abuse if they don't win now because it's easy on their Facebook and you know and Twitter. And I think they all you know and, and handled themselves well. Yeah, so I'd I'd probably go for Osin. Well, you get you you also get to see Bob Champion in Newmarket, so uh, he'll be pleased with what you just said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just up the road. And then going back to cricket, then who would be your favourite batsman? And, and you're not allowed to choose Rob Bailey, by the way. Can't say Rob Bailey. No, I don't think anybody's ever asked me this question. Who would be my favourite batsman? I guess in the North Ant side that that Rob kind of joined in the early eighties with. I think Alan Lamb would would probably be a you know a pick of mine. And what about you? you you're a big sports fan anyway. Yeah. Uh, what about your favourite ever day watching sport? Actually at the ground. Oh. It's got to be a test match. It has to be a test match. I do buy into the shorter format of the game. I don't mind the T20s, but I just think a test match is is and always will be, you know, the peak of a sportsman and especially in cricket. If if you're going to make it to the top, for me, I think you've got to do that, you know, at test test level. Any particular day though, when you? Went to a first, sporting first day, and it'd have to be at Lords as well. It's still it's still the best test test ground in the world. First day, I think it's just the buzz of the crowd, you know, as that first ball, you know, the ball comes into bowl, and I think it's um, I think the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. I don't know if you've been in the long room at Lords. I think you have, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's kind of those kind of things that make it that just make that ground the ground that you've got to go and watch a test test match there. And you know, on that first day, you know, 11 a.m. on that first day, absolutely fantastic. Um, and probably the first day, the Tuesday at Cheltenham would 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 be on a par with 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 that as well. I would say. Well, thank you for sharing those um, favourites with me. We're coming to to the end now, but what what does the future hold for mental health in sport? Um, well, I, I've already said I think we're doing a good job, but it's not beaten and it's not beaten by a long way. So um, we're doing okay, but I don't think we can rest. I think I think we've got to push this, and I think we've got to keep pushing it. We've got to get it out there all the time. That you know, please, 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 if you're not doing okay, find somebody to talk to get that help there's enough help now in place i think in the industry to get help and as i've said again in this podcast if it's not me we can pass you on to somebody else so i think the future is a long one i don't think we're close to eradicating it but the building blocks are in place and um i I know it will be someone for as long as i'm in and around the sport it will be something I will I will continue to to keep saying this, you know, time and time again. Get help, get help. Just ask somebody for help. And I think as long as we all keep on, you know, and beat that drum, I think that that will help. And so I guess I'm a man of hope. I have to be a man of hope, don't I? So um, I I just hope one day. You know, it's all beaten, but I know until that day comes, there's somebody there that can help. And I hope, I hope I'm one of those that 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 can and does help. And in these difficult times, with the prospect of the next six months, have you got any key messages of how we can all remain positive? Yeah, I think the key is like these last six months, you've just got to focus on those things that that are worth it. 
and that could be anything if you're still in a job focus on that if you've got loved ones that you need to look after if they're de- de- dependent on you look after them to the best of your ability if you play sport do that to the best of your ability and it, it could be as simple as a walk or a dog walk or get out and about get that fresh air while we still can do things that you like to do don't don't let these times stop you from doing those things that you like to do unless everything's shut down again which is unfortunate but make it work in some way and i you know take up art or or what whatever but just keep your mind active i found that the more i think about others and the more i plan my time in helping others it stops me thinking about myself so so much and so i think that's key as well look out for those around you take care of those that you love and be active well thank you very much simon thank you for uh, for coming on the paddock and the pavilion and please keep up the good work thanks for inviting me Stephen. i've enjoyed it take care thank you thank you for listening to the paddock and the pavilion you can download the show on apple Podcasts, soundcloud stitcher and spotify follow us on twitter and facebook at the pad and pad for further information about racing welfare go to www.racingwelfare.co.uk Sports Social Podcast Network